Welcome back, Model Railroad Talk listeners. Um, we're glad to have you back. And um, today's episode, I think, will be a good subject. It's about track. Yep, about track. We are going to discuss the differences between um, different um, codes of track and you know, the various ways, at least that I know of um, and heard of how to lay track down and all that good stuff. So um, it it should be a good episode. Um, this episode, we actually don't have a review, like we've stated before, um, until we start getting, um, uh, I don't know, until we're able to have... Um, more products or whatever to be able to review um on a regular basis i guess um we're trying to spread them out so yeah this one we will just be uh talking about track Well, hello, everybody. Um, this is just amazing. We're, I know it's only eight episodes, but from this side of it, doing the podcast, um, that's amazing. Eight episodes already. Um, and it really, for me, just seems like it was yesterday or at least a couple weeks ago um, that I started doing this. And looking at the listens and everything after uh episode six came out boy oh boy did the uh numbers jump um i feel i feel like it's doing extremely well and it continues on but it wouldn't be doing as well as it's doing without you our listener um without you then I mean, this podcast would be kind of pointless if nobody's listening to it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We uh, really appreciate it. Like we said last episode, it all the listens and the just looking at the analytics of doing this through just Spotify is uh, it, it helps keep us, keeps the drive going. So, yeah, like we said in our intro, we are talking about track. Now, this isn't going to necessarily be like, you know, we started our first few episodes or whatever. Like um, if you're uh, either A, getting into the hobby or B, returning to the hobby. Um, it's Some of this is for you, I guess, um, to think about as far as track work. Um, this is more like that next step of, okay, you've done planned your railroad whether you're new or returning um, and you figured out, okay, what scale you want to go to um, or start and um, you know, how big, what kind of possible operating scheme, uh, you know, it, it, it all, this is that next step after that. Once you've got your bench work up and 
or not necessarily once you can buy this stuff you can buy the track before but um but generally you build the bench work and then put the track up so um so this is just something there again like all of our podcasts this is just my um my thoughts um and you know and from what i've seen read heard um just throughout the hobby both present and in the from the past on track work so um i think for the ease of discussion today so we don't confuse you know because track track it can be confusing um if you're you know uh talking between ho and scale i am going to refer to just straight ho scale um but all the same concepts for the most part will work with the except you know i'm sure there's a few uh different ways like if you go into smaller like n scale or z scale or when you get up to o or or you know or s scale or o and obviously this probably does not apply to g scale or bigger because um i mean i guess some of it could um the concepts the basic concepts could but i'm just going to refer to ho scale and from there if you're in a different scale look into it and you know maybe it'll help give you some insight a little farther um but first things first um at least for those of us if you're listening to this in your you know say like an outdoor railroad or like g scale garden um this is more geared for those of us that have a layout inside um you're running either dc or dcc digital command control um so there's you don't see it much anymore i mean where you see the difference you know between nickel silver track which is what the track's made of and like old brass or i don't even think if you're lucky to find steel track you you you'd be hard pressed i know it's there's i'm sure there's still some out there you know somebody's got in their basement but um but you mainly see as far as what the track material is is nickel silver um they do make or they used to make i don't know if anybody still makes brass track i'm sure they do brass track if you can uh, avoid it stay away from it um now having said that um some people love brass track great my personal opinion it and everything that i've experienced in the past and listening to others um who have had it um it's brass tracks really hard to keep clean basically um and it's just it's not good i suppose if you're setting up like we've used as an example in the past you know you're setting up a loop of track around the christmas tree or you know or whatever you know a holiday or just grandkids are coming over and you're setting it up that's fine it'll work perfect for that um make sure you clean the track you know before and after um you i highly recommend making sure your track is nickel silver a it's going to stay cleaner a little longer but it's also going to conduct your power um whether dc or digital command control and if you are running digital command control dcc that nickel silver is going to help not only put your power to your locomotives and whatnot um or whatever may be running off that um better and you're gonna have better contact but 
it's going to, uh, with better contact, obviously it's going to give you a better signal. Um, it, uh, I guess, pass through the track it, that gets to your locomotives for the DCC side of it. So, um, so starting with that, um, I'm sure there's, like I said, there's people out there that, you know, they, maybe they're diehard brass and they're, they buy up all the old train sets that people list on, you know, Facebook marketplace or at, <clears throat> um, you know, like at flea markets and stuff. And, and that's fine. I'm not cutting it down. I know for me, um, personally, I, if somebody gave me a huge box of brass, I, the only way I would even give it to anybody is if, you know, they were interested in starting in the hobby and, you know, um, and let's say they had a few rail cars and a locomotive, but they didn't have any track. Okay. Here, you know, something like that would be okay just to get them going. But for a long term, my personal opinion, stay away from Nick or I'm sorry, not stay away from brass. You want nickel silver, which I think is the dominant out there anymore. I don't, I don't even know. I'd have to check with my suppliers to see if I can even get brass. I don't think you can anymore. If somebody knows, um, shoot us an email, comment on this on whichever platform you're on. Go to our website at uh, modelrailroadtalk.com. Um, you can uh, fill out a form there and it sends us. Um, email us, modelrailroadtalk at gmail.com as well. Um, tell it if, if you know if somebody's still manufacturing brass track, let us know. Um, but so that is an easy, I guess, start off. We don't need to really go into much more detail on that. I think a majority of model railroaders out there i should say indoor model railroaders out there majority not all but a majority will all agree that you know nickel silver is going to be a better um choice for you so going back to what i said originally um i'm going to refer to and or i'm sorry ho scale just be i mean yes that's what i model and stuff um mainly because i know the most about that um, so when we're talking, um, when I'm discussing, uh, track work here, just keep in mind, majority of this will work for N and some of the difference. So like when I talk code 100, code 83, code 70, that kind of thing, they're going to be different for N scale. Um, they have their different codes, which is basically the height of the rail. And we'll get into that, um, for N scale. And I don't know if Z scale has anything I don't know if they have different scale or uh, different codes for their rail or not. Um, there again, I'm not a no scaler or any scale bigger, so I don't know if they do there, but I just know HO and N they is basically the two that I know the most about. So we're just going to refer to HO scale. Um, if you have any questions, reach out to us talk at gmail.com i'd be more than happy to if you're wondering if you're an n scale or whatever i'd be more than happy to uh tell you what we or what's available as far as track so um so we've already discussed in um one of the previous episodes as well about flex track uh, i think we touched on i should say flex track versus um uh, uh sectional track um so sectional track, if such sectional track is nice for the fact that it's kind of, um, it's painless trying to get curves. Um, you know, you just have, you know, you just have a stack of straights and a stack of 
you know, 18 or 22 or 24 inch radius curve pieces, put your rail connectors on them and start, um, you know, put, plugging it together, put your turnouts in, um, wherever you want. And, it, and it's easy. It's great for starting out. Um, once you get into, I'm not saying you have to switch over cause I, I, I'm sure there's a ton and I've seen a lot of them in the magazines and whatnot that still run sectional track, you know, on say an older part of their railroad and they add it on and switch to flex or hand laid. Um, but the sectional track, which is, um, whether it has the roadbed on it or not, like Cotto easy track or Bachman or whatever, um, it, it's a good starting point. The only downside I see, and I would just caution you on, I'm not saying it's bad, but um, I would caution you on is the fact that sectional track, the more connections you have, each connection that you have in your tracks is the chance for you to start losing power as you get away from where your, um, your, your leads go from the track down to the main bus. So keep that in mind. Um, we're like, um, you know, there again, an HO scale, uh, uh, a piece of flex track. Um, it doesn't matter if it's Atlas or Walter. I don't even know if Walter. Yeah, I think they do. I know they make turnouts, um, Pico, all them, um, and micro engineering, you know, majority of those, they're going to be anywhere from like 30 to 36 inches long. So in order for you to take, say, you know, you're looking at two or three, three and a half pieces. So you're three and a half pieces. You've got three and a half, four, you got basically four connections in the same amount of track with sectional that you do one piece of flex. So keep that in mind. Um, I have done flex for a very long time. Um, I've read a lot about people that have, you know, they'll use flex track for majority of it, but like if they get into, you know, I don't even know a good example, but like they, they've used their flex track for long sweeping curves or like long straight runs. Um, or somewhere maybe they just want like a slight S bend and you can't get just the, I mean, you can't get a slight S bend, I don't think in a sectional track, but, um, but then, you know, they'll use sectional for, you know, maybe an offline spur or something like that, that, that they don't really care, you know, they need a really tight angle. And instead of, and that's the downside to flex track, you have to be careful with your curves, your radiuses, because you can actually bend it almost too tight. And that's where, you know, okay, you know that 18 inch minimum is what you want for this going into this industry. That's where the sectional track would come in nicely. Um, but uh, so anyways, going back to the beginning of flex track. So you need to, you, you almost need to figure out, okay, do I want to do flex track or do I want to do sectional? Um, they both have their positives, both have their negatives. The biggest ones um, like I just said, is, as uh, with sectional track, you have more, uh, rail joiners, more connection, less or more chance of, uh, losing power as you get farther away from where your feeder wires are. Um, but, um, which you don't have to worry about that as much with flex. However, with flex, if you're having curves, you need to pay real attention real closely um, it doesn't matter if it's a tight curve or even a long sweeping curve. 
with flex you've in order for it to look right you have to look down your track it, it takes a little more work so and it's and it's more noticeable on the tighter curves of and that is of running of trains because i've done it myself in the past you know oh well, i'm gonna do you know i'm gonna do this real tight curve here just so i can get um this car in, or cars into the industry and stuff and then i made it way too tight to where i think i only had like two or three cars and it was on my last layout um in like phase one of it um where i can only get i had like out of my huge fleet of cars that there's only like two or three of them that would actually make it and i don't know why just those three were able to make it around that curve but they could but i couldn't uh i even i couldn't get any even my shortest locomotive around the curve which was my fault i was stupid you know um and actually i had one of those cars i made i had to i actually i no not one of those i had to take another car and actually modify it so i had like a, a spacer car so i could actually push them in all the way on the track but so that's the negative to flex track whereas as the sectional track you go and buy 18 inch 22 24 inch whatever's out there available and you know especially on tighter curve radiuses that um you know that's an 18 inch it's not going to be it's not going to be like 14 inch you know radius or anything and you're going to be yeah so there's a couple positives and negatives for both the next thing and this i don't know if you know there again i haven't done too much research on this because um i knew i was when i was going into building my railroad as an i'll just start there um i'm running code 83 flex track um people some people run like the more expensive brands pico um micro engineering and whatnot and I, I in no way am i cutting them down they have great track they the track looks i mean it looks awesome the spike detail all that stuff is great i however am using just atlas because um like the other ones you can get weathered track where it's like the rails are weathered ties are weathered all that good stuff that's great i um I prefer to weather my own rails and track. I do that with an airbrush when I'm all said and done. So I don't like spending the extra money on it. And that's just, again, it's personally, that's me. Um, if you don't want to do an airbrush or you're not good at airbrush, maybe you might want to think about going into um, or spending a little bit extra money and say getting like the micro engineering track or the Pico track because it's going to be pre-weathered. So, but uh, putting that aside, um, all these tracks you have you have basically an ho scale code 100 code 83 um, code 70 are the three main rail sizes there may be companies out there that make a little bit uh another size in there i'm not 100 percent sure i don't think so for ho at least so when they when somebody says they're running code 83 or code 70 or code 100 um I think there's actually code 55 as well in ho scale that code basically um i don't know why they just don't say height but i get it um that's the height of the rail in millimeters i believe it's millimeters um so like um you can find this anywhere on the internet folks but uh code 100 is uh basically in ho scale would be like heavy 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 rail would be like mainline stuff um code 83 is more accurate to typical mainline stuff um 
code 70 would be like your maintain sightings, spurs, stuff like that, you know, compared to the prototype. Code 55 would be like your rundown spurs or like uh, old time rail, you know, like if you're modeling uh, steam and before or early steam or whatever. Um, what you choose, the only thing I can say, and this is based on experience because I've had, a, I've had in the past some 55, code 55 rail and code 70 rail. Code 70 wasn't bad. Um, I run code 83. In fact, my last railroad I actually had where I ran code 83 um, for my main line and everything. And then I had a couple scenes. Um, I think it was on phase three of that railroad. Um, yeah, it was phase three. Um, I'm like, you know what? I want to get into this detail more. I, I drop, you know, and they make, like I made my own adapter piece of track that went from 83 to 70. Um, and and it looked good. It looked great. I mean, you could tell. I mean, to those of us that are model railroaders, you could tell that the common person that just likes, oh, you got trains? Let me see them run. You know, they're probably not going to notice the difference. But um, the only thing I'll tell you when you start going from like code 70 is kind of that fine line, uh, code 50 because it's a lot shorter. Um, and code 70 is the same way. If you get rail cars or even locomotives, like say the less expensive ones, and they either have the plastic wheel sets or, uh, they got some cheapy metal wheel sets on them. Um, the flanges on those, which is what keeps the, the flange on the wheel is what keeps the wheel on the track. Like it drops down on the inside of the rail. Some of those have taller flanges. Um, I've seen it, I've seen it, uh, wheels, metal wheel sets come over from, uh, like China. I've seen them advertised and, and looking at the specs, the flanges, they're a lot, it's a taller flange, I guess is the best way to put it. So while that may work on code 83 and code 100, you say, if you're running code 70 siding and spurs or whatever, code 55, you may have an issue there. Um, that's where. It, you know, you kind of get what you pay for and I'm not, I'm not, I guess, pushing for you to get like uh KD wheels or wheel sets or, or Intermountain or whatever, but keep that in mind with your equipment. Um, if you're running all, you know, for a fact, you're running like the Atlas wheel, metal wheel sets or whatever, and you know, you should be fine. But if you are in a situation in which there's some people are, you can't afford those expensive wheel sets or you just don't care and you're running plastic the lower the rail uh rail height you got to be careful about that um going back to code 100 a lot of model railroad clubs will actually run code 100 on at minimum their main lines um code 100 if you're running trains all the time um like Oh, the, I, I think it's still there over in Chicago, the science and industry building. I haven't checked on that for a while. In fact, if it is, I'd love to go see that. Um, but like that's code 100 because they got trains running day in and day out code 100 and believe it or not, folks, rails will wear down on your model railroad as time goes on, depending on how much you run trains. Um, you know, code 100, if you're planning on setting up a layout, say a portable layout, and every, you know, 
three, four days a week, that thing's going to be, a train's going to be running a loop um, for, you know, six, eight hours a day. I would highly recommend just going with code 100 because eventually that rail is going to wear down. Um, and you obviously being, with it being taller, you're going to get a little more life out of it. So, um, so yeah, that if, if you're still in the, uh, say you're in the planning stages and you're like, all right, I know this is what I'm going to do. This, I know this is my, my layout plan, my operation. Um, I, my personal opinion there again, this is my opinion. This is my preference. This is my railroad. Um, so I personally, when somebody asks me what to run, I recommend code 83 because it, a, even if you're not into prototype, you know, right now at beginning or, or you just don't care code 83, um, is the closest to a prototype mainline code 100. Um, it's the, the, I don't think there's any main lines or any railroads out there that are running what that would model. Here's one last thing I just thought about. If you know somebody that's got some code 100 track and some code 83 track as an example, have them put two pieces together code 100 your your ties a lot of times your ties are gonna be a tad bigger but the spacing is gonna be more which if you have the two uh say a code 83 and a code 100 next to each other you're gonna be able to tell the difference that's not that big of a deal because you can alter that if you want to with your flex track but keep that in mind um so yeah we've been talking about track 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 um so what do you guys think what are you running um reach out to us comment on um whatever platform you're on if it allows you to comment um email us model railroad talk at gmail.com or you can go to our website and reach out to us um what what kind of code or i'm sorry what kind of track do you run what code if you're in scale you know are you running oh what do they run i want to say like code 80 code 55 um, I don't, I think they only, I think they may have one less than HO, but, um, let us know. What do you, what do you, what do you like? What do you prefer? What are you running? Um, just because you're running, you know, just say you, just because you're running code 100, but you may prefer code 83, but you know, I mean like code 83 to code 100 track flex wise flex track is slightly more expensive. Not a lot, but it is slightly more expensive than code 83. I'm sorry, code 100, code 83 is more expensive than code 100, which is crazy because code 100 has more metal to it. But hmm. anyways, um, not much, but it does have a little more um, supply and demand, folks. But uh, reach out to us. Let us know, like, what do you prefer? What are you running? Um, now, as far as your turnouts and stuff, there are several different brands. We're not going to get into like the turnout side of this, um, as far as like which brands better, all this and that, um, there's, there's a lot of pros and cons to that. And that will come in a later episode, you know, based on, um, what brand, what type of turnout is turnouts, you know, you've got, um, just so you know, if you don't know, uh, you've got like a number four, number six, number eight, they have a number 10, so on and so forth, which that's the angle that the the siding or that your your uh track you're diverting onto is from the main through track so um and we'll get into that in another episode but um you know a lot of 
uh, all the manufacturers I know for HO, code 100, um, code 83, and code 70, you have a barrage of different turnouts that you can do, you know, so. Um, but what do you run? What do you prefer? Um, let us know. We'd like to know. So we are going to take a break. Um, yes, doing this, actually, um, you know, talking for 26 minutes or right now we're about 26 minutes in, not including the uh, um, intro. Um, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk, um, talk about different ways to lay track and um just we'll probably throw in a little bit of roadbed options you know because uh, that's a whole nother world out there folks um you know if you're not using the easy track that has the roadbed on it already um there's several different ways of doing roadbed so we're just gonna lightly touch on the difference you know the the most common different types of roadbed um, there again, that would be another episode. Um, but we're, we're, this is mainly of ways to secure your track to your railroad. So, um, yeah, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about road bed. Oh, not really road bed. Sorry. We're going to talk about laying track down on road bed. There we go. So see it or not see you. We'll talk to you in a few minutes. Join the model railroad revolution. Go on over to patreon.com forward slash model railroad talk and become a premium supporter. By becoming a premium supporter, you get added benefits such as an exclusive private Facebook group, live videos while we record, access to the latest episode before anyone else, and more. Your support helps us continue to grow and support the model railroad revolution. Go on over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash model railroad talk to become a premium member today. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Yep. We're back. Um, this time around, I thought this episode, instead of us doing a full out, oh, advertisement for our one of our sponsors, which is Easy Model Trains, which is my business, um, I am only going to do the Patreon because the Patreon actually helps this podcast. The money goes that you that you would join that for just three dollars a month. That's it. You know, the, the benefits you gain from that. Um, that would go, and it doesn't sound like much, but it, over time it adds up to upgrading equipment, mixer, uh, microphone. Right now we got a decent microphone that gets us by, um, much, which I think it sounds way better than, you know, episodes one, two, and I think three. Um, but I don't know if you ever, if you could, if you've noticed this, but off and on, there's a little bit of crackling and for the life of me, I cannot figure out what it is. So, um, you know, so that your extra $3 a month that you send, well, you know, through time will add up to where, you know, we can upgrade microphones. Um, we do have a second microphone that, you know, is, you know, so if we have a guest, which we're trying to get Robert back on here, just with his work schedule and, um, you know, my work schedule and just life schedules. It's, it's, even though he's not really that far away from us, it, 
kind of is time wise. So, um, but yeah. And if you, uh, those that are, um, Patreon tier one members, thank you very much. All right. So we're getting back to this. Um, as far as laying track on roadbed, um, there are different kinds of roadbed, um, which we'll discuss in a different episode, another episode down the road, but you know, most common cork roadbed, uh, Midwest products. Um, a lot of people, um, use homosote, um, which is a, a fiber board. Um, then like there's woodland scenics that they have their, it's foam. It's almost like that. I don't know. It's like kind of like that camper topper tape stuff. Um, but it's, it's been scaled, whatever. Um, and there may be some other manufacturers out there too. Um, plus there's homemade, uh, ways of doing roadbed. You know, I mean, there's people out there that have figured out, well, you know, if you, if I do this or this, you know, work and that's great. I am not going to say one's better than the other. Um, just to touch on it briefly, I've used cork and I've used homosote. Um, and I've used the wood currently on this layout. I'm using the Woodland Scenics foam roadbed. They all have their advantages and disadvantages. Um, so getting back to laying track though, um, whether it's sectional or, um, flex, there are several different ways, common ways. Um, I'm not, not necessarily going to dive into the uncommon ways of doing this, but you have the people that will, or you have the, uh, well, there are people that do this, you know, um, if your track has the little holes down the middle, every so many ties and you drive a, uh, little tack or whatever, um, railroad, uh, like I think Atlas makes it. Uh, there's several companies that make the little tie, not spikes, but the, uh, railroad track nails. You can drive those down the middle and, you know, on top of your road bed or, or even if you know, some people just lay it straight on their foam or plywood or whatever, um, you can do that. Um, prototype doesn't do that so if you're trying if you're planning this and you're trying to go and you know you want to go prototype and you want to go down to the detail okay i want my track you know especially if you're gonna do code 83 code 83 track i don't think any manufacturer puts the holes down the middle i think it's mainly code 100 but anyways and sectional um think about not doing that um and by the way folks we are not getting into hand laying track um, that is a, that is a beast of its own. Um, I years ago was gonna, was trying to get into it and, um, not cutting people down. In fact, I envy the people that can hand lay track and turnouts and stuff. Uh, if, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people, kudos, I would love to be able to listen or sit down and listen to you and watch you do it. Um, I think it's amazing, but, um, so I'm talking about pre-made, pre-manufactured track. Um, you and I've done so. This next one I've done on my railroad. Um, I've actually and I used to do this with my turnouts. Um, I would you can buy track spikes, which they look like railroad spikes in a sense, um, and like I would drive them in just different spots on the turnout um, to hold the turnout in place. You know, on the outside of the rail and sometimes on the inside of the rail, but the, the track spikes are a little different than the track nails. Um, so if you, if you're wondering, like you've never heard of track spikes, well, at least HO scale, look them up. They're pretty cool. Um, 
they can be a little tedious to put in but um but i liked it because then you don't have to worry about getting any adhesive or anything like that under your switch points and all that um so going on to that i just said adhesive yes there are people that will use um like wood glue white glue um to glue if they are using a sub or a road bed um they'll use that to glue it to whatever their substrate is whether it be wood whatever uh styrofoam um i me i've used this in the past a lot whether i was going straight to plywood or or um to foam and currently on my railroad i'm using it to put because uh, i'm using woodland scenics uh the foam road bed I'm using liquid nails. Well, I'm not using liquid nails brand. I found um, actually Ace. Um, if you have an Ace by you, if well, at least here in the U.S., if you have an Ace um, home improvement, uh, whatever store, they have for two ninety nine for a tube. At least that was the sale. That was a price here last weekend, but here in Iowa, that is too. Um, you can get a tube of that, which is, it's, I actually like it now because I, I started out using liquid nails and, um, I don't know if I just had maybe a couple older tubes of liquid nails or what, but it just, it, I, it worked great. It's holding fine. I have no complaints about how it's holding, but working with it was way harder to work with than the, uh, ACE. Ace seems like it gives you a little more flexibility and it, for me it goes a lot farther but yeah i use that to what i'm doing is putting a very small bead down um spreading it out with just a cheap inexpensive i want to say it's like inch inch and a half wide i think it's an inch wide um no it's gotta be an inch and a half wide anyways um just plastic um putty knife that I, I bought like in a three pack at the dollar store um spread it out and then i lay my um road bed down and then i try to wait at least overnight um i prefer 24 hours but it, i found at least like if you know where right now where i'm at and recording this is you know it's like 6 45 p.m i found by 6 45 a.m tomorrow let's say i didn't have to work <clears throat> i could get up and start laying track on it and it's it's solid but the nice thing is is it's not so solid that if i had to go back and pull up some I could without doing a lot of damage. So that's how I lay my track and turnouts. Um, there is that, those are the main ways. If you, with the exception, like I said, of unless you're uh, hand laying track is either some sort of adhesive or track nails um, or spikes. Um, not any one way is better than the other. The disadvantage of doing the track nails down the middle is, especially if you're using cork or homosote or something, I will tell you, you got to be careful because I've done this in the past, pushing that nail in and you go just a little too far and it snaps, you know, that because it's just a little micro hole in the middle of that tie. You snap that, it, you know, it doesn't look the greatest. You can a lot of times fix it. But there again, when you're doing the spikes on the outside of the rails, whether you're doing just a turnout or like doing it for the whole railroad, all the track, you have to be careful because now you're introducing um, a little bit different pressure points 
wherever you put those rail spikes in and you could potentially at different at those spots not a, not not likely but it is a possibility um throw the gauge of that rail off so make sure you have an nmra track gauge um that way wherever you put the spikes if you're gonna do the spikes um and, well even the the track nails doing it in the middle because if you if you over tweak it you know by pushing the nail in too far you could actually believe it or not pull that rail in a little bit get yourself an nmra track gauge it's um it's worth it well that's something we can talk about in another episode too well worth the money um so yeah there there's there's several different ways and i'm sure there's folks you know that are listening to this reach out to us if there if you have another way a proven way that you lay your track down and it stays and you don't have any issues let us know um we'd love to hear um and i'm sure our listeners would too um those are those are the main common most common ways of putting track down um pre-made track that is um you know and then you get into more technique of uh, there's more detailed techniques like if you're doing flex track one side of if you don't know one side of the flex track rail will actually slide in and out well that side you want on the you know they do that because as you bend that you're changing the arc one rail is gonna in a sense look like it's getting longer and you know so if you're laying flex track you've got to always pay mind to your curves and make sure that piece of flex that you're laying down the track that is movable or i should say the rail that is movable in that section of track make sure that's on the inside of the curve um if you put on the outside you're 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 going to be short um with the track and then now you're going to be trying to yeah well it's it's not good i've done it in the past and I ended up making it work, but I was not happy with how it ended up. So I ended up down the road, tearing it out, redoing it. So, um, yeah, uh, I think the most common is using some sort of adhesive cock. Um, I've heard of people using, um, like regular silicone. Um, if that's all you have, um, use it, you know, whatever you can get tracked down and get railroad you know, get your trains running. Great. Do it. Silicone. The only reason I say silicone, um, a lot of times the silicone takes a little bit longer to dry. Unlike like the construction adhesive. Um, usually that can get most of the time that can be set up within, you know, probably 20 minutes and it'll hold until, and then you have to let it cure overnight or whatever, but silicone, it just doesn't seem like it grabs so you're going to be inevitably putting in, you know, nails or, or, um, some sort of, you know, spiky thing on curves, at least to keep the track in the position you want until it, 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 uh, until it, um, dries, but also silicone, <clears throat> silicone is made to be flexible. Yeah, while it is water resistant. So like when you're doing down the road scenery and stuff like that, you don't got to worry about it but it is flexible so as temperature changes if unless you have climate control in the room for your railroad you i I, you're going to end up having a lot of track problems whereas like construction adhesive as long as you get the the actual construction adhesive not like a latex caulk because i know some of the uh the brands out there you know it's just standard latex caulk for like sealing 
um, you know, like your bathtub or sink, you know, they, uh, you can use it for adhesive. Yeah. But if it gets wet, it's, you know, it's probably going to let up or it could let up. So, um, but I know the construction adhesive, once they cure, you know, and look this up on wherever you're at, um, uh, make sure that once it's cured, um, you know, water can't attack it. Um, cause yeah, that'd be bad. That would suck to, you know, you're out, you're say you're doing a long straight stretch. You've got, you spent this time getting the track looking perfect. You, uh, you know, you get your ballast down, you get all that track ballasted and glued. Then you come up to the curve and you start doing all that, right? Picture me, sit here and picture with me, folks, just that beautiful ballast line. Um, just a beautiful ballast job and you get to the curve and it's just gorgeous going around that curve. You're done for the night. You, you went through the curve, you hit your next straightaway, you're tired. You're going to, you're going to go up and go to bed and, you know, next day when you get home from work or whatever you do during the day, when you get time, you're going to come back and work on it. You come back and work on it and your tracks half off straight. Yeah. That gives you one of those, uh, like from a Christmas story. Oh, fudge. Like I've seen it happen. I actually had it not that extreme, but I've had that happen on one of my previous railroads. That's why I use certain like the construction adhesive that I know water won't attack it when it's cured. Um, so yeah, keep that in mind, folks. Um, you know, like we, we talked about in the first part of this, um, when you're planning, planning your what code of track you're going to use code like for HL code 100 code 83 code 70 so on and so forth um once you and and between that okay do I want sectional do I want flex track am I going to hand lay this I mean if you're going to hand lay it then and you feel like being on a podcast then you need to reach out to me because I want to have you on this podcast <laughs> um but you know so any any it doesn't even have to be necessarily in the planning stage. You could be in the rebuilding stage. Like you had your first railroad, you've ran it for a few years. I've, I've known people like this and you're just not quite happy with the track, whether it's the layout of it or just, you know, you need to redo the track because it's not the best track job. Um, so you pull it up, you know, um, that's the time. If you want to go from code 183 or, or even some people go the opposite way, they just don't care. You know, they, you had code 70 or code 83 and you're just tired of having issues or whatever. And you go up to code 100 and you know what, this is your railroad folks. The railroad you are building at home, it is yours. Don't let anybody tell you any differently and don't let them influence you. Like, Oh, if you're not doing code 83, then it's not a real railroad. Or if you're not doing code 70 in real, you know, I've heard all that. I'm sure you have too. You know what? It's your railroad. Build it how you want. Um, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast, that's what we, if this is your first episode that you're listening to this podcast on, I should say, we firmly believe that I, yes, I give my opinion. I tell you what I'm building, how I'm building on my railroad. But when it boils down to it, you know, not everybody has the resources like space, time, money, or, you know, depending on where you live, you know, I mean, we have listeners from several different countries, you know, we may have construction adhesive here, but you know, you may not have the same type of construction 
adhesive over and say Russia or Germany, you know, it may be something different. It may be because of international or whatever, maybe it's manufactured over there and laws prohibit certain chemicals. You need to figure out what is best for you. Um, we firmly believe that. And, you know, I just, I hope you all realize that by now, if you've listened to the first few or first seven episodes now, um, that's what we believe in that, you know, we, and even when we do the reviews, um, that is our personal opinion. Um, it's not, you know, like we're trying to sell you this, or if you're, you know, like I'm a Digitrax dealer, I'm not. And I talk about Digitrax a lot. That's my original railroad or DCC system. I used, I fell in love with it back then and I still like it. Um, that doesn't mean if you don't use Digitrax, you're wrong. And, you know, if you don't use Digitrax, there's a reason why you don't, you're not using it. And that's fine. So, um, yeah, don't let anybody tell you, you know, if you're using, you know, code 100 that, you know, your railroad's not going to look best because the ties are spaced apart or, or whatever they may say. It's your railroad. Um, you can do anything you want with it. That's why part of the reason why we get into this hobby. So we can create a world how we want to see it correct so reach out to us folks um you can find us on the web www.modelrailroadtalk.com you can email us at modelrailroadtalk at gmail.com you can find us on patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n um under guess what model railroad talk find us on facebook under model railroad talk we have a page there um we're trying to keep i should say i'm trying to keep because this is more or less solely me doing this i do have help once in a while um but i'm trying to keep a fair amount of content within reason on my the facebook page but i don't want to oversaturate it because i know you know if you just like just like when you email us we're not going to spam you with a whole bunch of left and right emails um, I, we still have yet, um, we've had several, uh, uh, submissions of email addresses. We still haven't sent out any emails because we don't feel that we have anything we need to send an email out to you for yet. Um, and when we do, we're going to be respectful of it. So that's kind of like the Facebook and, and our website. We don't want to like explode your inbox or notifications because we're posting all the time. Um, but yeah, you can find us on pay, Facebook. Um, and on whatever platform you're listening to this on, we are on several, several platforms, too many to list. Um, I, I will say, I do have to say Spotify cause, um, that's what we originally started on. Um, I tried several different, uh, podcast creators. This is the one that worked best for me. Um, so, um, reach out if, if you're, if whatever, um, uh, platform you're listening to us on allows you to reach out to us by all means reach out to us we you know that's what it's there for um and you know i really i really don't want to be this person but um i'm not going to ask you to share our podcast although we would love you to um you know or you know on uh, whether it's on your social media or whatever you know that'd be great if you did but we're not going to ask you to do that um however we would like if you you know uh rate us um or if you're still waiting i know it's still we're, we're only at episode eight right now so it might take a little time for you to be like yeah yeah i'm gonna wait um so we would actually prefer 
um, if you, if you're going to give us a low rating, reach out to us and let us know how and what we can improve on, um, folks, we, cause this is for you. Um, so anyways, we got a little sidetracked there. Hey, you know what? That's what this podcast is about. We will get sidetracked. So, um, we are going to end this so we don't get into the long, uh, episode that we had like last time. Um, Last episode, we hit a little over an hour, I think it was. And we were trying to keep this around 45, 50 minutes max. But so, yeah, sorry, folks. So thanks. Thank you for listening. Um, And as always, if you are a Patreon member and tier one supporter for just $3 a month, you will be able to listen to this within 24 hours after we record it, sometimes sooner. Um, which most cases is a little over a week before it comes out, which our podcasts come out on all platforms every Saturday morning at 12 a.m. Yes, midnight Friday night, 12 a.m. Saturday morning, however you want to look for it or look at it, that's when it'll be out. So um, so thank you for listening, folks. Um, please send us, don't, don't feel you know bad. Feel free to email us, contact us with, uh ideas they tell us what you'd love to hear um oh also one last thing we do have a tiktok account we're not really a big tiktok believer i guess but um we just uploaded our first video on tiktok um uh, earlier this week maybe it was last weekend um just kind of an update of our current railroad that we're, that's in the building process um also on patreon there are videos on there not you you, that's part of that tier one um three dollars a month not only do you get this episode right away or i should say within 24 hours usually less um you also there's some videos we put up there of train related videos um or model railroading uh, related videos i should specify because somebody will get me on it um and we continue we are planning on continuing to do like layout updates and we're planning on doing trying to do um maybe some sort of won't be live but like recording while we're recording the podcast to kind of give you um a view so you can see we're just normal people so and with a normal setup um but anyways thank you folks for listening we really appreciate it if it wasn't for you we'd have no reason to do this podcast so um y'all take care and be safe and keep your rails. Well, I was going to say keep your rails on the track, but that doesn't sound right, does it? Keep your wheels on the track. That sounds better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Keep your wheels on the track, folks. Bye.